Glad to be with you this morning. Uh, as has already been mentioned a couple of times, we are going to be continuing our series in the book of Ephesians today. So if you've got a Bible with you, I encourage you to go over and turn to Ephesians chapter 5, and we will get there in just a few minutes. Uh, thank you to Gordon for leaving the heavy lifting to me. Uh, I, hope that, uh, uh, I hope that actually the words that I have uh, for you today are words from God and that they'll be a blessing to each and every one of us. So as we get started today, let's, uh, let's join together in prayer. Father, we come to you this morning grateful for the opportunity to worship your holy name. God, we lift you, lift you up above all else. We pray that today, that uh, the words that I speak, the words that we speak together as a congregation, the words that we worship with, that they would be words that give you glory and honor, most of all. God, we thank you for Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Okay, so we have been in the book of Ephesians for the past several weeks, and uh, uh, we started this series by making a promise to you uh, that we would go chapter by chapter. Uh, through the book of Ephesians, and I'm here this morning to break that promise. Um, we are going to sneak just a little bit into chapter 6 today, uh, so we'll cover a, a lot of ground in chapter 5, uh, and uh, just a little bit of ground in chapter 6, and then we'll come back next week and we'll wrap up the rest of chapter 6. Uh, so uh, if you're following along with us, reading ahead of time, uh, just know that I set you up uh, poorly today, and, uh, and we're, we are going to read a little bit of chapter 6, uh, think about, a little bit about chapter 6 together today. Uh, but uh, if you haven't been with us for this series, I encourage you to either go back and listen to uh, the, the sermons. Uh, they're on our website for our podcast. Uh, or, uh, even better, just go uh, straight to the source and read the book of Ephesians. Uh, what a great opportunity for us to go back and remind and refresh ourselves of what Paul says in this book. Uh, just a couple of uh, things that we've talked about as we've kind of covered some ground. Uh, at the beginning of this book, the first three chapters, uh, John Mark preached to us about uh, what the first three chapters contain. And really what Paul's doing in those first three chapters is laying the groundwork, trying to, to remind us and, and tell us who God is uh, and, and to let us know who we are because of who God is. And then in chapter four, what we talked about last week, uh, Paul finally kind of gets to his point. Uh, he kind of tells us the, the thesis of, of what he's writing to us for, that he wants us to grow into fullness, into the fullness of looking like Jesus. Uh, and so really that's what this letter is about. And it's really a, a fairly unique letter because it's not written to a congregation that's in crisis. It's not written to a congregation uh, that's, that's got a problem going on within it. Uh, and most of the, the letters, especially Paul's letters, uh, are dealing with something in particular that's going on. Uh, Paul writes to them because they've got this or that going on. Uh, so, you know, think about the, the letter to Philemon. Uh, Paul writes the letter to Philemon because he's got this uh, slave who's going back to a slave owner, and they've parted ways uh, not well. And so Paul's trying to help them come back together and, uh, and be brothers in Christ. And so uh, that's kind of a crisis situation. But the book of Ephesians is not written like that. The book of Ephesians is kind of a general letter. It's written to a people uh, to encourage them to continue to live faithfully. And so Paul writes in this letter that the, the whole purpose that he's writing, the reason that he wants them uh, to, to read and listen to this letter as it's read to them, is that they, he wants them to grow up to look like Jesus. And so uh, in chapter 4, he makes that kind of claim. And then today in chapter 5, he's going to continue to give examples of how we can do that, of how we can live like Jesus, of how we can look uh, like Jesus to the world around us. And so I want us to go ahead and pick up and we'll read. Uh, we're going to read a lot today, but I'm going to start us off easy. Uh, we're just going to start with the first verse. Uh, and so we'll, let's read the first verse together and get some context for what to expect uh, throughout the rest of the chapter. So uh, verse 1, it says, Therefore, imitate God like dearly loved children. Okay, it's a pretty short verse, uh, but we're going to stop right there because I think there's enough for us to kind of unpack and talk about for just a second before we move on. Uh, but first, remember last week I said that the word therefore, uh, it shows up nine times in these last three chapters of the book. And every time Paul uses this, this word therefore, sometimes it gets translated as so, Every time he uses it, he wants us to look back on what he's already written, to be reminded of what's come before, and now because what he's going to say is based upon what he's written. 
So therefore, because of what I've already told you, because of who God is, because of who you are, because of our ultimate goal of growing to look like the fullness of Jesus, growing to full maturity, because of that, imitate God like dearly loved children. Okay, now this verse, uh, just thinking in, in terms of what, what, we expect, uh, what we expect and what we experience in our world today, this verse already uh, is a, can be a, a pretty divisive verse. Because some of us look back on our childhood and, and this verse makes a lot of sense to us. Uh, we had parents who, who were there for us, who cared for us, who, who loved us. But others of us didn't have that experience. Maybe our parents weren't there at all, or, or maybe they just didn't care for us well, or didn't know how to express that love. And so right off the bat, we've already got people in the room who are reading this, uh, this, this chapter, chapter 5, differently because of their own experience. And uh, notice what Paul says. Imitate God as if you were dearly loved children. This is important because no matter where we fall, no matter what our experience tells us, this verse only makes sense in light of who God is. This verse only makes sense in light of, of, of the love that God has shared for each of us. So it doesn't matter if you, if you had good parents or if you had bad parents or if you don't even know who your parents are. You can imitate God because in God, you are a dearly loved child. And that's perhaps some of the best news that I can share with you this morning is that no matter where we come from, no matter what situation we are in, in life, is that this God treats each and every one of us like a dearly loved child. And so now we have an opportunity, opportunity to imitate that love, uh, to, to go out and show that same love to one another and, and back to God as well. That we have an opportunity as, as loved children to show who Jesus is to those around us. Okay, so Paul is going to continue on, uh, and we're going to read a nice little chunk here, uh, verses 2 through 14. He's going to continue on and help us understand what it means to, to live like a dearly loved child. What, what are the things that we do because of, uh, because of our status as children of God? So let's pick up in verse 2. Live your life with love, following the example of Christ who loved us and gave himself for us. He was a sacrificial offering that smelled sweet to God. Sexual immorality and any kind of impurity or greed shouldn't even be mentioned among you, which is right for holy persons. Obscene language, silly talk, or vulgar, vulgar jokes aren't acceptable for believers. Instead, there should be thanksgiving. Because you know for sure that persons who are sexually immoral or impure or, or greedy, which happens when things become gods, those persons won't inherit the kingdom of Christ and God. Nobody should deceive you with stupid ideas. God's anger comes down on those who are disobedient because of this kind of thing. So you shouldn't have anything to do with them. For you were once in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. So live your life as children of light. Light produces fruit that consists of every sort of goodness, justice, and truth. Therefore, test everything to see what's pleasing to the Lord. And don't participate in the unfruitful actions of darkness. Instead, you should reveal the truth about them. For it's embarrassing to even talk about everything, about what certain persons do in secret. But everything exposed to the light is revealed by the light. Therefore, it says, wake up, O sleeper, get up from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Okay, so that's kind of a long chunk. Uh, so I'm going to do my best to, in one sentence, summarize uh, what Paul is talking about here. If I can summarize what Paul says in these verses, it's Paul wants us to go back to the basics. If we are going to grow up to, to the fullness of who Jesus is, if we're going to grow to full maturity in Christ, then what we need to do is we need to go back to the very beginning. But notice what he says in verse 2. In verse 2, he says to live your life with the love of Christ in you. He says, go back to the basics. Uh, you know, if, if there's obscene language or silly talk or, or vulgar jokes, if there's anger, if there's greed, if there's sexual immorality, if there's any kind of impurity, uh, avoid those kinds of things. Run away from them. Instead, seek out the, 
things that are good. Seek out justice. Seek out truth. And so his, his message to us is to go back to the basics, to live with the love of Christ in you. Which I know is, is an easy thing for me to say uh, here on the stage, uh, but it's a much harder thing to put into practice. Because when you get on the road and, and you are sitting in the middle of Dallas traffic, the love of Christ is not always the easiest thing to reach for. When your kids aren't paying attention to what you're trying to tell them, when you're, when you're trying to get your kids to do a certain thing, the love of Christ is not always the easiest thing to reach for. It's not always the easiest thing for us to do to turn to the love of Christ. When, when you see somebody around you who's uh, treated poorly, maybe it's a coworker or a friend, when you see somebody treated poorly, sometimes you might want to respond in, in a similar fashion. You might want to respond by treating the person who treated them poorly, poorly. But Paul says, reach instead for the love of Christ. So uh, the problem with that, you know, is that we don't always do it. And I'll be the first to admit, uh, this is something that, uh, it, it, Paul says, this is the basics. You know, go back to the basics, start at the beginning. And we, we fail to do it sometimes, right? I fail to do it sometimes. I don't always live with the love of Christ in me. But as, uh, as James K.A. Smith says, he's a professor of philosophy and religion, he says that in order to live with the love of Christ in you, you need to form good habits. So he says, worship works as good fiction does, because fiction does not ask us to believe things but to imagine them. And when we begin to imagine things, we begin to put them into practice, we begin to actually see the world that we are envisioning coming to fruition. And so this, this time of life where we live with the love of Christ within us takes a lot of practice. And in fact, it's the reason that we're gathered here together today, because we want, uh, we want the practice. We want to have an opportunity to spend time with other people who are working on this, to be encouraged by one another, and to hear a word from God uh, seeking to, to push us further into this, into this kind of life where we worship, where we uh, have this habit of living with love. James K. A. Smith goes on and he says, the point of worship is bound up with the point of creation. To be remade in God's image and then sent as his image bearers to and for the world. In the rhythms, in the rhythms of worship, the Spirit inscribes in us the character that makes us a certain kind of person. It's in these moments when we gather together that we have the opportunity to be encouraged to live the life of love. To imitate God as dearly loved children. To, to move away from the kinds of things that, that, uh, that maybe that Lee was talking about. The kind of rough things uh, in our lives. The things that we're tempted to live into. And instead to live as Christ did. And to become imitators of God. That can be truly difficult work. Uh, it can be unpleasant work. Because it requires that we have to be clear and honest about where we are. And yet Paul says, go back to basics. Live as Christ did. So things like greed, sexual immorality, even silly talk. Paul says that has no place in the life of a follower of Jesus. Instead, put on goodness, truth, and justice. Wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Now, Paul moves into the next section of his letter, and it's a section of this letter that, uh, that we've often looked to in our own tradition, in our own tribe, and uh, as Gordon has pointed out, uh, it's the easy lifting for the morning, uh, and so uh, I, again, uh, as I've done in the past, I want to encourage you that if you have any complaints, the email address to find is johnmark.davidson at skillandchurch.org. Uh, no, but we move into this next section with Paul, and we want to read and, and, and learn from this section because Paul's encouraging us to imitate Christ. And so we go to this next section, and it's a section that perhaps some of you uh, are worried about what's going to be said up here. Perhaps some of you have no idea what even comes next in the letter, and so you're not worried at all. You're wondering why I'm building up to it so much. Uh, but it's a section where Paul encourages us to continue to live as imitators of God. 
as people who, who live uh, into the fullness of who Jesus is. So let's pick up in uh, verse 15 and see what else Paul has to say to us. So be careful to live your life wisely, not foolishly. Take advantage of every opportunity because these are evil times. Because of this, don't be ignorant, but understand the Lord's will. Don't get drunk on wine, which produces depravity. Instead, be filled with the Spirit in the following ways. Speak to each other with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music to the Lord in your hearts. Always give thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And submit to each other out of respect for Christ. Okay, we'll stop right there. Uh, the passage continues on. We're going we're to talk about the rest of the passage, but I've already done a lot of reading today, and, uh, and uh, many of us know the next section, and I'll make plenty of reference to it. Uh, but, uh, but what Paul's most concerned about in this next section uh, is not what we often think. Uh, it's not often uh, the, the point that we usually read this passage and think. You know, in our tribe's uh, past, in our tradition, in the, in the Church of Christ, we've used this passage uh, for, for main, main, mainly two things. Uh, for, for how to worship, uh, and who can do what in church, uh, especially as it relates to, to gender roles. But I think that we missed something that's really important, uh, because Paul's not really writing specifically uh, for those purposes. Paul's writing for us to grow up into the fullness of who Jesus is. And there's something really key that we often miss in verse 18, because uh, we're not the original audience. So back, go back and look at verse 18 with me, because what Paul says in verse 18 is don't get drunk on wine, which you know, seems like a kind of no-brainer to us in our world today. But to the people that he's writing to in the city of Ephesus, uh, this one sentence is a revolutionary sentence. This one sentence changes so much about who they are because in Ephesus, one of the chief gods, one of the primary gods that was worshipped was the god Dionysius. And Dionysius is the god of wine, the god of parties, of music and dancing. So Paul subtly, and yet in a profound way, points out that Christians who are trying to imitate Christ need to move away from imitating this other God named Dionysius. Instead, they need to live with the love of Christ within them. See, this is revolutionary. This, for me, this totally changes the way that I read this passage as I was studying for this sermon, because this one little, this little section that we think is so obvious, you know, we've heard it all before, uh, for them was so revolutionary. It totally changed their perspective. It totally changed uh, who they were supposed to be. In, in the ancient world, the, the Greek and Roman gods, people like Dionysius, uh, when you worship these gods, it was so focused on, on the self, on the individual. And perhaps uh, we can see expressions of that in our own day, but for the original hearers of this letter, when they heard that, that they shouldn't be focused on gods like Dionysius, on, on making sure that they worship that god to, to make sure that they get a reward, or, or to make sure that the god's not angry at them, and instead they should imitate the life of Jesus, it changed everything about how they were supposed to live. You see, we often use this passage uh, because uh, this is a passage that we use when we talk about worship, and it's a passage that we use when we talk about gender roles. We often use it as if it's a, 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 an instruction manual. But this isn't an instruction manual, it's a manifesto. Paul wants these people to begin to live differently, to not live following the ways of Dionysius and the other gods, but instead to live following the way of Jesus. He says, don't be filled with wine. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. And I think that totally changed their outlook on life. I think, it, I think it asked something of them that was uncomfortable, perhaps, for many of them. That for them to, to move away from this other kind of life, to, to put off this old kind of life, and to put on a new life in Christ, 
I think it was, it was difficult for him. I think it was like starting a revolution. And in fact, as you look through the history of, of the church uh, after this, the, the church didn't fare well for many hundreds of years because of things like this, because they, they, they taught that you shouldn't live according to the way that the gods teach you. And instead, you should imitate Jesus. I think it turned their world upside down. And I think if we will let it, it will turn our world upside down too. See, Paul goes on and he talks about uh, several things. He talks about uh, how husbands and wives should interact, how parents and children's uh, parents and children should, should treat one another. And then he also talks about how slaves and masters should interact. And so if we read this as kind of an instruction manual, uh, when we get to that third one especially, it kind of really breaks down on us. Uh, because uh, if, we're, if we're still talking about uh, how, how slaves and masters ought to interact, I think, I think we all kind of understand and we see the problems with that, uh, with that kind of a reading. Uh, because no, no one in this room wants to condone slavery. And so if we read it uh, like this instruction manual kind of thing, we, we, we eventually get to a problem. But if we instead read this passage as a way of changing our lives to be filled with the Spirit and to imitate Christ, to grow to the fullness of the stature of God, I think we begin to see that Paul is asking something from each and every one of us. That we have to put aside the old way of living. We have to put aside the way of competition. We have to put aside the way of greed. We have to put aside the way of, of more. And instead, we have to put on the way of Jesus, the way of serving, the way of giving up, the way of dying. It's a totally different way to read this passage. Paul asked the church to become the staging ground between what's going on in heaven and what's coming on earth. Paul asked the church to be the presence of the invading kingdom of God so that the people around them will begin to understand what it means to live the life of Jesus, a life of love, a life that shows us that we are all each dearly loved children. I don't think it's an it, accident, by the way, that throughout this whole letter, Paul has used language about God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. Last week we talked a little bit about uh, how to be united, and Gordon reminded us of, of, of a lot of that today during the communion meditation. I don't think it's an accident that we see in God what it means to be one. Through three individual uh, expressions of who God is, I don't think that's an accident. And today, as we read a passage that for so long has divided us and torn us apart and, and gotten us to so many different conclusions, I hope that what we see is that the person of God, Father, Son, Spirit is bringing all things back to himself. And it starts with love. It starts with our lives. It starts with our imitation of Jesus. See, we have to lay aside our old way of life. We've put on a new life in Christ. So that in the moments when we turn away from something that, that draws us in, from whether it's from this world or whether it's something from our own selfishness, when we turn away from those kinds of things and turn to Jesus so that others will take notice of the love that's within us. And when we turn away from the moments when we're scared and we're afraid of what it might mean to share the love of God with someone else, and instead we embrace the Spirit of God and we're filled with God's presence, we share God with each other. It's in those moments that we begin to see the love of God taking hold, not only of the people in this room, but of the people around us. See, this passage isn't an instruction manual, it's a manifesto. It's asking us to bring the kingdom 
of God on earth as it is in heaven. And Paul says, go back to the basics. Go back to the ordinary moments. See, for too long, we've expected God to show up only in the extraordinary. And yet all along, God has been working in and through us in the ordinary moments of everyday life. And so today, choose to imitate God as dear beloved children. Choose to live with the love of Christ within you. Choose to share the message with others of what this God has done for each and every one of us. Paul urges us to become like Christ, to grow to the fullness of the stature of Jesus. I think we've got our work cut out for us. This morning, uh, we're going to continue in worship here in just a moment. And as we do, if you'd like the prayers of godly men and women, our elders and their wives are going to gather around the back of the room. They would love to pray with you. This morning, if you want to know what it means to put on this new life of Christ in baptism, I'd love to spend some time visiting with you all we got here in the front. But for all of us, may we respond with our hearts open, with our spirits lifted. May we seek to imitate this God, this good God who loves us like children. Let's stand and worship together.